somehow we met. So why don't you tell a story from your childhood? Those would be interesting. Oh, oh way like, back in the 1970s. When, when did you get electricity in your house? When did you see your first aluminum can? Yeah. When did you when did you see your first aluminum can? <laughs> I do remember glass there were glass bottle sodas when I was little. There were aluminum beers. Was but there they, a milkman? That there, your milk? There was not a milkman, but there were people in, who still in, had in, they had the little. Lungs. Uh, for yeah. God's sake, tell me at least you had gigapets, right? Then I had a. Uh, Megapets. We didn't even have Chia pets back then. You just had pets? We just had pets. <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I'm more convinced than ever that to save, to save this country, to save the world, God does it one person at a time, one interaction at a time. Political movements, I'm only 29 years old, but it's just like, I'm so disillusioned by politicians. Like the, the idea that electing the right guy is going to move our country in a, in a direction that's either good or bad. The politicians in a lot, in a lot of ways don't make a difference. They're like the thermometer. They just measure where people are at. And it seems to me like the big sticking point right now, everybody agrees freedom is good, but it's the question is, what is freedom? And people won't be convinced that what we're offering is real freedom until they are freed from the guilt of their sins for having transgressed against it and made themselves slaves to sin. Like until you can... People want to save face. Human beings always want to save face. And it's like, I don't blame people who say Christianity is judgmental and oppressive and it's, it's you know, antiquated. When they feel like you have all these rules and I haven't kept them. And so to you, I'm a sinner and an evil person. And so I guess you don't want me to come into your building and blah, blah, blah. Um... So we have to go out to them and say, God is not mad at you. Uh, God is not afraid of you because you're a sinner. He's all about you being happy. But it has to be, that's the wisdom of the incarnation. It has to be someone saying that to someone, one-on-one. And then like the whole narrative of the Catholic Church is this patriarchal, judgmental, hateful society is undone in that person, you know, because they can't look at you when you love them and you listen to them and you sympathize with their their story and their struggles and their wounds that have caused them to become slaves to sin and say, I'm coming to get you and I, I want to be with you and all this, hear it and help heal you in the name of Jesus. And then people are like, whoa, Jesus is real. Because if he's just like, what would Jesus do? I can't do what Jesus would do in this situation because he's way better than me. It's not helpful. Yeah. What Jesus is doing is forgiving people's sins and healing them of their ailments. <clears throat> and filling them with joy. I think as mm-hmm. always as things get worse, joy becomes like this this tremendous tool because you're you just have people who are joyful. 
and that's not something you can explain away. Mm-hmm. And no one is gonna say like, "Well, that's fine for you." <laughs> if yeah. you want to be, I don't, I don't want that. That's cute. Yeah. But I, I'm gonna be a sad sack. Yeah. I guess I just don't really need joy like some people. Happiness, love. No, like I, I, I got into like digging into my faith because of a guy who was joyful. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a friend, Lincoln, there who was kind of wrestling with <laughs> Catholicism and going through RCIA and things, but what tips the balance was they were riding in a van one day coming back from uh, frisbee golf and she realized these are the happiest people she had ever met mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like okay well, done that's mm-hmm. it like i'm gonna be catholic now relax that's the way to do it right and morality comes along in time most right. people are like i want i want to go to there i want to do that right but also my point is that without the fresh start this is why New Year's resolutions are so big. Without the fresh start, it's it's too daunting. You're like, well, <clears throat> I've already I've already blown it. Oh, I see what you. You know, I can't be happy. These people <clears throat> deserve it, but I don't. <clears throat> I think that's a more common attitude than the screw you, don't tell me what to do. Like, there's a lot of people that are out there that are like, <clears throat> well, it'd be great to be religious and to not have sex before I was married, but it's too late. I'm not a virgin anymore, and so whatever. I guess I'm just. You know, consigned to the majority of the culture, which is just, you know, going from guy to guy, from girl to girl, and more or less miserable and unable to find someone that really loves me, but whatever. Um, but if you had the fresh start, which is what Cardinal George says, confession is second baptism. That's what, I don't know if that's an old term that they used to use, we don't use much anymore, but um, it's the renewal of your baptismal promises and your your baptismal state to say, I renounce Satan, I renounce sin, and I repent of everything, and I resolve not to sin again. And you get to do that as much as you want in our religion. For free. Yeah. For free. And it's real. And there's also, like, if anyone tells anyone, you know, yeah. like there's the seal, it's just very good. That's why, man, I'm addicted to hearing confessions right now because it's like, what more, what better use of my time is there than to give people just a bunch of fresh starts. Because the Bible is a story of second chances, if it's anything. Right. The God that we believe in is the God of giving infinite second chances. Um, and <clears throat> the big lie is like, well, I screwed up. Like, when you, you give up chocolate for Lent and you eat one Butterfinger and you're like, ugh! Damn, I guess there's next year. Yeah. Why waste my time? Why waste my time? Because it's not a perfect score. I didn't get a perfect score. Yeah. And if it's it's magic, if it's like you have to do the magic things, if you have to behave just the right way for God to love you and all these things, then yeah, that would make sense. Like, I blew it. It's done. Right. Yeah. Going to hell. But it's not how it works. So God wants us to grow into maturity, self-mastery, and spiritual perfection. Demands it at the beginning, or else you're screwed. Right? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense at all. No teacher would say, you must know advanced calculus to the first grader. So they make a few mistakes, but eventually you work your way. Advanced yeah. coagulus? Coagulus? Yes, exactly. Well, I, and I think this is uh, a lot has to do with our image of God, which is ultimately an image of people that we know that are godlike. Um, in our lives. Like James Earl Jones. Like James Jones. <laughs> I was thinking Morgan Freeman. But, quick story. My brother 
was talking about his boy, his oldest, and uh, how he was having a hard time with the move and everything when they moved down to Dallas, and uh, kind of acting out a lot, <clears throat> and my brother was coming down on him a little bit, <laughs> little guy goes, Dad, it's easy for you, because you never make any mistakes. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and Ethan just had to laugh, he was telling me a story, he was chuckling. And I'm laughing too because I know my brother. And but in that kid's mind, Ethan has never made a mistake. That's crazy. He's dead. Which is crazy. Yeah. But people think that, you know, and they continue to think that. And you know, that's a big thing of like growing into a mature relationship with your parents is realizing they're human beings mm-hmm. and they're fallible. Yeah. Um, but you, they're still your parents, and you still hold them respect and love as long as they live. Yeah. And. Um, they're not God, you know. Right. And another thing. Yeah, I was in the hospital last summer, and um, one of my fellow chaplains, who was not Catholic, um, was on me a little bit, not like in an aggressive way, but just sort of pushing me not to to talk about God as Father. Like when I prayed and stuff with people that were sick. Um, and I, I gotta say I was a little resistant to those very much that impulse we were talking about of don't tell me what to do um, like we we believe what Jesus said which is that God is the Father and praying in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so there's a little bit of that like um, adolescent rebellion but also I think like a true desire to say like just because your image of men particularly fatherly men is negative, that they're domineering and cruel and demanding and withholding their love does not mean that therefore God is not a father because the definition of father is that. Right. It's that those guys aren't good fathers. And the fatherhood of all fathers comes from God who is the perfect father. And so you don't throw away the, the word or throw away the idea uh, or the reality of fatherhood, did you redeem it with God's fatherhood? And But her story was, uh, in a way to try to get me to stop using this, was she prayed with um, a woman who came in the ER who had been raped. Um, and she was just like, she was just broken and had a really rough childhood and, and continue, like repeatedly just been used and abused by men including her own father and um, my fellow chaplain asked if she could pray with her and she said yeah that'd be nice but just don't just don't pray to God the Father Um, and this was to kind of shut me up you know to say there's some people that just can't access God this way and I don't I wouldn't have pushed the fatherhood of God on this woman in her fragile state um but, like, if you don't get at this lie that, that God is a withholding, cruel, demanding dad who thinks you're a sissy if you can't play baseball, and, or whatever crap you have from your childhood and the things that your dad didn't mean to do, maybe, but did to make you feel insecure or like you're not good enough, but that's not the way that God the Father looks at us. Um, well, if you don't preserve the fatherhood, 
of God, it's it's really hard to keep any sort of a personal relationship mm-hmm. because God just becomes like space principles and mm-hmm. like spirit winds, and it's just a nothing. And because a spirit wind doesn't come after you because he loves you and he wants mm-hmm. to be with you forever. But he does tell you to be nice to each other. He does tell you he maybe invites you to be nice to mm-hmm. one other. <laughs> but, uh, but even, I was thinking about when you were talking. I was thinking about. Obviously, like, motherhood comes from God, too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't know that the human mind can, like, hold these things in a balance and think, like, God's my dad and my mom at the same time. And my brother. And my brother. Well, but, I mean, you have a different person for the brother. Like, Jesus yeah. is in this relationship where, like, you've taken on his identity to some extent, but also, like, you've entered into a community with him where you share a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with God the Father, I don't, I don't think you. If, I think if you say like He's my dad and my mom, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's just he's, he's a nothing. Right. And He chose Father, like for some reason, Jesus prayed to a Father. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, there's a logic behind that. Yeah. Like He chose that to be the one for some reason. But uh, like you have to have something to. Hennessy's line, Father Hennessy is always: if you can't imagine it, you can't do it, and. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to like somehow imagine God. Obviously, you can't. It always falls short. Yeah. But if you can't imagine something, then you can't do it. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And that's maybe that's why like God deemed that kids learn about Him from their parents because that's how you start to imagine what God's like because you've seen things like what God might be. You know, like you've seen a dad that takes care of you and it protects you and he's there like to make sure everything's okay. Uh, and you can always run to him, and he's not going to give up on you and all these things. But uh-huh. these these incarnate realities enable you to imagine someone in the abstract what God is like. I've seen that in the priesthood, too, as, like, the wisdom of having us be called Father by the people. Um, because, particularly in confession, um, you you sort of get to undo... I mean, you, you incarnate the reality of the fatherhood of right. God in a and real way. And someone who doesn't reject you. Like, yeah, they tell you all of the ugly stuff that they hate about themselves, <laughs> and you respond with, I love you, and it's all forgiven, right. erased, and you're new. Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? I like that you're drinking out of a big jug. It needs three X's on this side. My That's water bottle has yeah. sprung a leak. Yeah. It did, it sure did. And this is a wine bottle from the sacristy. I don't know. I assume so. Where did it come from? In college, we used those to make wine. Ugh. It, was, wine? it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bunch of those big green jugs that they would put. I, there was some, like, landing on a stairwell that was for recycling of the church wine bottles. And we had, like, three masses a day, tons on the weekends. Went through tons of... of Sacramento wine, and those jugs were just laying there. So we took a bunch. We had it in our mind that we were going to make wine in the dorm. And uh, don't tell anybody, it was the RA's idea. No. Yeah. And we looked it up. I think this was before the internet had answers to every question. Mm -hmm. So we we did some sleuthing, went to a store, and they had like wine yeast that was pretty cheap. And our idea was to just buy a bunch of different kinds of Welches and pour them into these things and 
seemed like the uh, closest thing that we could get to approximate the best practices here was to put a balloon over the top. What? Because it has to be anaerobic. You can't let air into it. But those yeast emit gas. And so, like, if you cap it, the things can explode. They put a balloon over it, and the balloons got big after a while, like the, from the yeast eating the sugar in there. But it was all crap wine. Was it I think the wine? apple was pretty decent. The apple juice turned into good wine. Just use juice. And Different juice. juices. Huh. Well, we, we were going to crush grapes with our feet. <laughs> and then those guys got into making beer, which that seemed really hard. Like, like getting into the hard stuff hard or difficult? Yeah, beer is just too hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wine guy. Yeah. I'm more of a wine guy. Beer seems too hard. That's a little hard. So was the wine drinkable? Like, did you have it? Yeah, we drank it. It was a potable. <laughs> Into the Were you question. 21 at the time? I'm sure I was, yeah. Dogs go to heaven. Goats go to hell. Well, is Nick coming or what? No. Guess not. Give the clip. You guys don't make a prank call? No. We <laughs> 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 call everybody. We call Tom. Burn. Just with your phone. Conversation. <laughs> hey, it's me, Frank. I stole a phone. Who's this? Oh, yeah, I was supposed to admit. I talked to him earlier. He asked that he be mentioned in our discussion tonight. Tom Burn. Yeah, Tom Burn. Pink face rant. Tom Burn. Let's let's just call him and be like, we've got our first caller. <laughs> Put it on speakerphone. Oh, look at that. Hello, this is Father Tom Byrne. Please leave a message and I'll call you back. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. We've got our first caller on the line, Father Tom Byrne. What do you have to say? How are you? How are you going? Have you been listening up to this point? Can you please turn your radio down? It's too loud. <laughs> we can hear your radio. Tom, as you know, you're live on <laughs> our podcast. Oh, I got a call waiting. Was he calling in? I'm on multiple calls. Tom. You're live. You're live on Three Dogs North. Congratulations. You're our first, first caller. caller ever. You're the first one we've ever called. So, Tom, <laughs> how, what do you think about the topics we've discussed so far? What have been some of your favorites? What do think about what? The, the topics we've discussed so far in the podcast. Have you been listening? Um, is this my chance to make up a topic and comment on it? Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I think the trout are wonderful fish, and I enjoy catching them. How did you know we were talking about that? <laughs> I can't wait to hear what happens with this audio. <laughs> so, uh, just tell us a, just tell us a quick, quick, embarrassing story <laughs> <laughs> that you want no one to hear. Embarrassing? Um, let me think here. Something that's just embarrassing enough to be funny, but not too embarrassing. No, go go full embarrassing. No, I don't trust you enough. <laughs> I'll edit. I'll edit out your name. <laughs> um, You're gonna be a star, man. I can tell. What? I'm trying to think of a good embarrassing 
Can you tell me what the story is? No, we're putting you on the spot. Tell us about the fishing trip. How was your fishing trip? Well, the fishing trip was wonderful. Um, besides my complaining and sad sacking on day one, um, it was it was great. I was bitten by probably a thousand mosquitoes, Ugh. to say nothing of the biting flies. Um, but uh, now I slayed, slayed some fish and uh, ate some of them. And uh, what happened uh, else besides that? I heard you caught a big bass. I did, I did. I caught a very large bass, and this is somewhat of an embarrassing story, so I'll turn it into that. So, um, I was, I had been, um, I I had been doing okay, but then uh, Father Patrick McConnell hooked me up with this great uh, jointed Rapala, and, uh, which I still have, and I cast this thing pretty successfully during the afternoon then, and then in the evening we went out, went over the Canada side, and I cast this little Rapala right up on the bank there, and this fish devours it immediately and I haul it in after great and laborious struggle um, my shipmate nets the fish and heaves it aboard and uh, it was this big old bass this huge bass so I uh, get the hook out there and hold, hold him up proudly uh, to the awes and oohs of everyone and uh, in other boats and a picture is taken and I let the fish go and, and, and you know, it, was, it was funny it was about probably a 20 inch smallmouth bass and I didn't so even, far, I Tom, re- can I interrupt you for a second? So far, this is the most self-aggrandizing, embarrassing story I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you called me on the phone, and uh, you, know, <laughs> you, started, you know, I mean, you, you, the presumption is you called me because you wanted to hear me talk. So yeah, I yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Hopefully the fish goes down your pants at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like, i kind of like, oh, isn't that a nice fish or whatever. And uh, everyone else is kind of like, dude, this is the biggest bass I've ever seen. I'm just, and I'm just kind of like, you know, no big deal. And it was just kind of a shame. I, didn't, I couldn't really bask in the glory of this fish because, um, because I had never, I had nothing to reference it off of, you know. And then I, I kind of let the fish go, which was, you know, you know, universally regarded as a foolish decision. I should have kept the thing, but mm. anyway, it's somewhat, somewhat embarrassing. But you've left it for other anglers to enjoy. Yeah. I did. I did. I left it for other anglers. Indeed, I did. Plus, fish are gross. Slimy. Well, what are you going to do with it? Eat it? Gross. I'd rather use Wouldn't it. As, I'd rather use it as bait for a bigger fish, like a many, shark or many, a whale. How many sticks do you think were in that fish? How many sticks? Yeah. What does that question mean? Like, how many fish sticks could you have made out of? Oh, oh yeah, how many yeah. fish sticks in that stick fish? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I would say at least half a dozen, probably. Whoa! Um, Whoa! Six fish sticks. Holy hell, that's a big... You, you, you could have fed a whole member of a family. Holy <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, this has been fun. Final question. Yeah. You, you have a captive audience of tens of people. <laughs> what do you have to say for all of those people? What are your What's words? That? What was the topic tonight that I might, um, you know, just... We wandered, we wandered a bit. Plus, I'm going to edit this so I don't know exactly what I'll include with this phone call. Yeah, that's, that's oh. good. Well, what would I, well, I, I, well, I don't know, just a, little, a little exciting thing from today. I have a garden, you know, and um, I ate some stuff in the garden, so I, I felt pretty good about that. I ate a couple of, ate some peppers, uh, different varieties. No, 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 no this, isn't, this isn't what we're looking for, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking words of wisdom. Like if you had to, if you had three words to say 
to the entire world, and then you were going to keel over. Mon crayon. You were going to die. What would those three words be? Shut up, Connor. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> Very good. It's been great talking to you guys. Thanks for the call. Don't call us just again unless someone's bleeding from the head, okay? Okay, sounds good. See you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, Tom. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.